0: This is the Center for Strategic and International Studies Smart Women Smart Power Podcast. Welcome to the Smart Women Smart Power Podcast. I'm Beverly Kirk here at CSIS in Washington. Be sure to follow us on Twitter. You can find me at Beverly Kirk, and our Smart Women Smart Power handle is at Smart Women. According to the UN, nearly 64% of Afghanistan's population is under the age of 25. The government is working to bring the younger generation into public service as part of its reform efforts. A number of those younger leaders are women, and two of them join me now to discuss Afghanistan's challenges, opportunities, and reform efforts. Adela Vraz is the Deputy Foreign Minister for Economic Cooperation, and Nahid Sarabi is the Deputy Minister for Policy in the Ministry of Finance. Thanks to both of you for being here.
1: Thank you for having us. Thank
0: you. Well, first, before we delve into challenges, let's talk about you. Let's talk about your backgrounds. Uh, tell me a bit about your career path and how you've gotten to be where you are today. And uh, Deputy Minister Raz, we'll start with you. Sure. So, um
1: my career started with the government uh, from 2013. um i was raised and born in afghanistan uh, it was only in 2004 that i left afghanistan for the first time so i was in kabul during the civil war and uh during the taliban regime um, in 2004, I came to the U.S. for my uh, bachelor degree. I went to Simmons College, which is a small woman's college in Boston, and I did uh, three majors in political science, international relations, and economics. Followed by that, I went to the Fletcher School, Tufts University, and I did my master's in law and diplomacy with a focus on international development. So when I graduated from my graduate school, um, there was this entire feeling about global citizenship and my responsibility as an individual to the entire globe. So I felt, well, I can manage being away from Afghanistan and continuously going to work for the betterment of the world. Um, And that's why I started to work for an international development organization in Washington, DC. And I worked here for two and a half years. During the two and a half years, I realized I could not literally put myself away from Afghanistan. That strong attachment and connection was there, and I constantly found myself being involved and directly and indirectly working for Afghanistan. And at the same time, um, there was um, the entire discussion about 2014 and how the U.S. forces might leave and Afghanistan may collapse. Um, I felt responsible that I have to start working in here in D.C. and try to uh, get engaged with US government forces, and US government and security forces and here, and responsible individuals to somehow make a lobby and convince them to stay in Afghanistan. But I realized that I only can ask them to do that if I'm also in Afghanistan, because otherwise I feel like I'm a an hypocrite. And there was also that um, sense of criticism towards the government and uh, certain changes and reforms that had to take place. And uh, I was pretty engaged in media and speaking about it. And I realized that uh, if I wanted to see the change that I'm looking forward, I have to be part of the change. So uh, those two strong reasons, Uh, encouraged me and motivated me to go back. Uh, So I went back in 2013 and I started to work as a deputy spokesperson uh, for President Karzai and followed by that working with President Ghani as the Chief of Staff for the Administrative Office of the President and now as the uh, Deputy Foreign Minister of Afghanistan. I enjoy my work, I I don't regret the decision. I am really, really proud and I'm very humbled to be part of the uh, generation that's right now bringing the reform within the government. And I'm blessed to be um, living in this time and in this era where we have a political leadership that has a commitment and that has a greater support to women and younger generation.
0: And we'll talk about the commitment to reform and the effort to bring more women and younger people in in just a moment. Uh, Deputy Minister Sorabi, tell us about your path.
2: Well. I was born and raised in Kabul. Um, I often say I'm among the boys and girls who have seen four generations and um, four regimes. I've seen turmoil, I've seen instability, and luckily I've seen stability in a government under which I can serve as a government official. Um, I I went to Pakistan in 1996 when Taliban took over because I couldn't go to school. I've uh, studied my high school in Peshawar in one of the um, schools set up by refugees. Um, I did my bachelor's in political science from India, Um, my first master's from Bochum University in Germany and my second master's from Western Michigan University using Fulbright scholarship. Um, I started my career first with a non-government organization when I was uh, studying during school. Um, and then my first work with the government started from the Office of the President, where I started as an um, officer with a presidential programming office in 2007. Uh, when I first joined Ministry of Finance, I joined as an intern. Um, I then became the director for Afghanistan National uh, development strategy and then um, last year I became deputy minister for policy in Ministry of Finance. Um, it was very interesting when I had lived abroad um, 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 during my childhood and when I studied, I saw governments making policies, making decisions about their future of um, people. Um, I was always amazed and I, I always wanted to, um, um, to work in a government and, um, um, and make policies and make plans um, and how, how you influence the life of millions of people with, with the policies and decisions that you take. Um, that was the reason that I decided to join government um, and um, I'm really proud of my decision. I think our generation, especially uh, women, as, who are often seen, especially Afghan women, as victims, I don't want to see ourselves as victims, but uh, agents of reform and change and how Um, with a new perspective in breaking all those traditional um, institutions and beliefs, uh, we are spearheading reform.
0: And let's talk about the reform. President Ghani has made this commitment to increasing the number of women and young people in government. How is the government changing because of your presence and the presence of other women? You're part of a delegation visiting the U.S. Mm -hmm. and there are seven of you who have top roles in, in various parts of the government in your country. Minister Ross? Um, it
1: is um, a difficult question specifically when um, putting, making me to sometimes I mean, right now feel more responsible and also there is a little bit of the guilt too that maybe I could have done even more. In terms of the reform, yes, I think Um, that commitment from the government side is extremely strong and uh, reform and bringing the younger generation in women. And um, I gave credit, and we all gave credit, to His Excellency the President. I think both are not an easy decision to do in a patriarchal society like Afghanistan and uh, in a conservative society like Afghanistan, where uh, both there is a biased view towards women. The traditional view is that women should uh, be uh, only members of the society and a son staying at home, taking care of the kids and the children, and just seeing them as an active member of the society, it's still not uh, not many people are comfortable with that. And then there is a part of the younger generation. As I said, it's it's, it's a society where a respect comes based on the age. So for us, um, really, and for His Excellency, the President, uh, making that breakthrough decision to bring younger generation in women, uh, to the leadership position, and and uh, that's not an easy one. And uh, for us, um, we we are working at the at the uh, space where um, we have to prove first that we are. Not only as a woman, but we are here as a regular individual, as uh, regular civilians, and the jobs that are given to us is based on our abilities and qualification, and we have to deliver based on the expectation of our scope of work. And we're not here uh, as a token position, uh, just encouraging a woman to be there. And I, and I think uh, that's a daily struggle that we have in our s- workspace, just making sure that our male colleague respects us mm-hmm. based on our uh, deliverables, and not just uh, that we are women there and they have to respect us. Mm-hmm. And uh, for us, uh, the, 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 the difficult part that personally I feel, uh, I believe that, um, I need to do more to encourage women to come to the government position and also create space for them to, to, to join. I think to a certain level, I will give my credit, uh, myself a credit that I have done uh, a good job, but in certain areas, I think I could have done more. I know um, uh, just as a role model, um, I am playing... Uh, effective role but I have to reach out to women in the rural area as well I have to reach out to women and younger women who are at school and and speak with them in person and really provide that mentorship which is Mm -hmm. needed so um, I would say um, uh, the reforms are moving forward and uh, we are on the right track it is uh, a difficult process but uh, we have started it, and today the number of women that you see as a part of the delegation where we are today, it's, it's, uh, it's, that, it's, it's, it's an example of the reform that uh, we all hope to see. Minister Sarabi?
2: Definitely, we have made uh, many strides. Today uh, we see 11 female deputy ministers in uh, Afghan government, which has been unprecedented. Um, And a hundred percent, I can say, um, all of these women have been appointed based on the capacity and the qualifications they have uh, had, based on the um, um, education, based on the efforts that they have made in the government in their specific areas. Um, um, I myself, when I see women in in different meetings, in in, in important authoritative positions and especially in non-traditional sectors, including mining, infrastructure, um, um health um um there's um I think we show that uh, um, there's there's a shift in the mentality of Maine that women can take leadership roles women can. Um, uh, make decisions, very important decisions that, that affect each sectoral um, policies. Uh, one thing that is really important that is coming up with a generation of women like me and like Deputy Minister is the network that we have created among each other. And um, I think what is really important, the next step forward, is that we mentor other women who come up and uh, fill in more positions as we, as we go ahead. Um, not only at the leadership positions, but at the important policy making Um, horizontally across the government um, not only at national level but also at the local level at sub-national governance we want to see more women governors, we want to see more women mayors and district governors which is another effort and another uh, commitment that the government has has had. Um, I think this um, slowly slowly will will improve as as we go ahead but what is also really important that we keep this track, the momentum going on and we don't uh, reverse.
0: Let's talk about some of the challenges, and I'm going to zip through them and get you to, to uh, 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 react to them. Um, there are efforts to improve transparency and government accountability. Um, there are efforts to decrease the corruption, There are these anti-corruption efforts and judicial reforms. How optimistic are you about specifics in those areas where changes can be made to make Afghanistan a much better, stronger Country, I'll start with you, Minister Sarabi. Um, thank you. Um,
2: corruption has been a challenge, and um, I think as a, as a woman, um, in terms of service delivery, women and children are, are more vulnerable to it. And that's why um, there has to be more efforts, more um, um, persistence from our side. Um, Again, there there are many, many things that have happened, many developments. Afghanistan um, has developed the um, anti-corruption strategy, um, um, and all all ministries are required to to show definite actions on that part. Um, Our um, ACGC, which is the Anti-Corruption Special um, um, Center, uh, we have seen that they have uh, prosecuted and sent to jail around um, 300 people. Um, two deputy ministers were trialed uh, in the center and around four army generals were also trialed, which um, showed um, an important step ahead that the government is committed in, um, in, in delivering um, justice and uh, curbing corruption. Um, these reforms, I think they, they give a very clear message. Of of commitment um, that how um, um, ensuring justice and curbing corruption um, can um, ensure service delivery.
0: Minister Ross?
1: And um, I'm going to second my colleague, uh, Deputy Minister Surabi, because The government has taken some substantial steps. And I think one one part that's really important to uh, highlight is the political commitment from the leadership of the government that uh, fighting against corruption is one of the top priorities. And I think that's something really, really important to be noticed. And at the same time, I think I'm going to... talk about the the problem, why it is so deep and so difficult. And my constant request to the international community is that Afghanistan, to give us time, Afghanistan has gone through very uh, difficult uh, periods of conflict and instability and uh, state institutions destruction uh, for the last 30 to 40 years. Uh, So building them back is not easy um it's a it's a country where uh people had to lived in a in a mode of survival and usually individualists when they're only thinking about survival Mm -hmm. so they're looking for any means of um to hold on to 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 really um live and uh and that's and where states are also weak and there is a huge push of uh foreign funding uh coming in which happened Post uh, 9/11, at the beginning of um, uh, 2002, and three, and four, and even up to six, uh, the state's institutions were not strong. So huge funding coming in without transparency. It also uh, helped the, the 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 corruption level to go high. Um, but so what I'm trying to uh, request the international community is to give us space to fight this uh, immense. Uh, destructive mean that exists within our society. Um, We uh, inherited from war and conflict, uh, and there is a political commitment, and that's something really important. There is a commitment by the younger generation that are coming into the government institution, and that's really, really important. And something really new that's happening is that there is a willingness to fight not only petty corruption but really going to major and difficult cases which uh, min, uh, deputy minister surabi mentioned the two deputy ministers ex deputy ministers were put on trial and having that um, special court to 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 um, uh, go after these cases and these are usually public trials so for all of us uh, there there is more sense of thinking there is a proper rule of law And if people are corrupt, uh, and and there are cases, the government will not uh, shy away for um, fighting them and going after them.
0: Well, let me remind everyone you're listening to the Smart Women, Smart Power podcast. I'm Beverly Kirk, and my guests today are leaders in the government of Afghanistan. We have Adela Raz, the Deputy Foreign Minister for Economic Cooperation, and Nahid Sarabi is the Deputy Minister for Policy in the Ministry of Finance. Follow us on Twitter, at Smart Women. Follow Adela, at Adela Roz, and that's A-D-E-L-A-R-A-Z. And follow Naheed, at S-A-R-A-B-I-N-A-H-E-E-D are you on social media a lot?
1: Yes, we are.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, everyone, be sure to follow them and keep up with what's going on in Afghanistan. I want to ask you about another challenge for your country, and that's the Taliban. There was a recent BBC uh, study that finds some 15 million Afghans, about half the population, live in areas where the Taliban either have control or where they openly operate. Um, And there have been a number of of attacks recently, deadly attacks. Um, how's the government dealing with these security challenges? And more specifically, what's the impact on women in these areas? Because most people are familiar with the Taliban and their their views on women.
1: Um, let uh, Let me uh, let me say that um, fifty million and almost half of the population living under the control of the Taliban. That's not an accurate statistics in a sense, uh, because um, the government was struggling with territorial control uh, two years ago and it was still not half of the population living in. Um, our a major um, severe incident and in, uh, shock that the government and the civilians had was uh, the, the Kunduz attack which was about uh, two to three years ago, and uh, for uh, about a week it was in the control of the the Taliban. And I think that was a harsh realization that the government, and especially our security forces, have to really uh, put their approach concrete and focused. And uh, we also realized that where is our weakness, which was uh, in the air operation and in, in air support that we didn't have at the time. So luckily, uh, thanks to and the um, U.S. government with the new South Asia strategy and the focus that is, mm-hmm. a very direct focus on uh, the enemies of Afghanistan and the terrorist groups, and also uh, support uh, for our uh, security forces on, on our air operation and air support. It has helped us to... Um, make sure that there is no territorial control by the Taliban. And uh, main cities, big cities, all of the cities and provinces are controlled by the central government. There are, of course, uh, areas and provinces that are um, in conflict. There is fight going on. And uh, a good example that shows the weakness of the Taliban because they have realized they have, no power anymore to control provinces or any district, and and they have started to focus in big cities like Kabul, like Herat, and that's why we see a sign of huge attacks happening on civilian, and that is the main reason it expresses their weaknesses, that they cannot take control of any province anymore. but um, in areas where there are conflict and people live in it, it's of course difficult and problematic. The government has taken the responsibility to still make sure that uh, services are provided to them. But uh, as a woman, if I put myself in the shoes of those women who live in those uh, conflicted zones um, because as, as, a, as, a, as a younger woman i have lived during the taliban time and i remember for good uh, one week we were in a basement and uh, my parents couldn't really um Uh, find means of food for us so it was uh, it it is not easy it is difficult and I think uh, that's one reason at least for me that gives me the motivation uh, that I don't want Afghanistan to go back to the days where and I lived in it and I have a young daughter who is uh, 11 and a half months old and for me I never ever want her to experience what I went through Mm. so uh, that will be my
2: answer. Minister Sarabi. Just um, adding to that, in areas where there is conflict and um, some level of um, insecurity, levels of insecurity, um, government ensures that services are provided, be it directly through the government, through communities, or through non-government organizations. I think in Afghanistan, our non-government organizations have had um, a very... um, um, uh, they provided a good support system to government even um, during the eras of Taliban or uh, during the civil war or um, um, back in 2001 um, um, or in later years when the government couldn't reach many districts and villages. And the uh, same trend is going on. And um, a lot of the community elders are engaging in this process for and um, helping the government that the services are ensured um, to the citizens. Um, One of the biggest programs that the government is is delivering is the citizens charter program uh, where we engage with communities um, so that the governance structures are put in place that the communities help themselves. Um, and with regard to women, um, 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 I'm sure it's, as I said before, women are the most vulnerable women and children. Um, um, when um, um, when the area is insecure, it means that women cannot go to school, women don't get health facilities, there's no education for girls, and the very most important thing is access to justice. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and um, I, uh, I have to say, our media here has been very helpful in ensuring that some of these stories are brought into the attention of the government, and the government can take um, uh, measures um, to, to ensure that um, justice is provided mm-hmm. and um, cases are um, brought to relevant departments.
0: And um, as, we, as we wrap up here, I don't know where the half hour has gone, um, but uh, as we begin to, uh, to wrap up here, I, if I could get your quick thought on, thoughts on addressing some of the economic challenges that impact women in particular. Uh, I know there are efforts to bring women into the economic system and develop entrepreneurs. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Uh, One of the major challenges that uh, women face, um, or one of the major challenges that women face in terms of um, economic stability, of course, uh, lack of education causes, uh, it it is a major challenge in a sense that uh, uh, denies the access for women to a proper job and a source of income. Uh, And the second one uh, is also that they don't have um, Legal document or property ownership, because we live in a in a society where uh, typically the properties are named after our male uh, family member. It could be husband, it could be brother or uh, father. And uh, a revolutionary step is taken by His Excellency the President, which means that uh, new property documents, when it comes in terms of um, goes to the court system and uh, the ownership is given to family, the requirement is that in the paper, it should uh, both the husband and uh, wife's name should be written. And and the logic behind that is if a woman feels that she's the owner of a specific piece of the the land in the property that gives her um, financial freedom. A to go uh, if we're talking about a micro level economic development. If they're looking, f- if they're women entrepreneurs and they're looking for loans, it helps them to go to banks and get the loan because usually these women are struggling hardly a lot uh, in, in terms of getting loans from from the bank. So that's that's one of um, uh, the major uh, challenge. And um, But I'm also, beside the challenge, I'm also going to share very quickly the the positive side of the story is that Afghanistan, uh, today's Afghanistan is not Afghanistan that it was 15 to 16 or even 10 years ago, especially for uh, women entrepreneurs and women economic development. Today, we do have a very vibrant, a very uh, strong uh, number of women entrepreneurs in Afghanistan that are there doing internationally very well and also domestically. They are brilliant, they have already started to do extremely, uh, run successful businesses in agriculture sector and uh, uh, carpet and uh, weaving and and then as well as in jewellery making. So um, as a woman, I'm really, really proud of them because part of my portfolio is to work with them and every time when I sit with them and then they tell me about their businesses, to me, that's where I I think that we have to start thinking about mm-hmm. Afghan women not anymore as a victim, as my colleague yeah. said, as as a as a as an, uh, partner in in especially in the global uh, woman entrepreneur and development sector.
0: And Minister Sarabi.
2: acknowledging the fact that um, Afghan women have have made. Uh, many progress in the economy and in the businesses. Um, uh, one of the distinctions that Afghan women have is that they are more involved in production rather than export and import compared to men in Afghanistan. And production, which is a very bold step taken by Afghan women in uh, Afghan women businesses, needs infrastructure, needs energy, um, um, needs a lot of other facilities that um, right now in Afghanistan. Uh, We have to work a lot, um, which are the main hurdles for for women to promote businesses. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Right now, um, um, some of these steps are, are being taken. Um, um, to promote industrial parks, to work on economic zones, so that women can find themselves in an environment where they can boost the production part of the economy. And not only urban uh, women, what I'm really impressed is the rural women where they engage in rural economy for small production so that they can bring their products to to urban areas and make the villages self-sufficient.
0: Well, there's so much more to talk about, and I do wish we had more time to do so. But you ladies are on a very tight schedule, and I don't want to hold you up. Uh, Della Roz, the Deputy Foreign Minister for Economic Cooperation, and Nahid Sarabi, the Deputy Minister for Policy in the Ministry of Finance, thank you so much for joining us here on Smart Women, Smart Power. Thank you. And thanks to all of you for joining us. Remember to follow us on Twitter. I'm at Beverly Kirk, and we're at Smart Women. Thank you for listening. For more information, go to CSIS.org and subscribe to our podcasts.